Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics show. Today I have my friends with me, Joe. Where's the beef? Marcus. Wake me up before you go-go. Brian. I have the power! And John Harder. Oh, what a feeling when you're dancing on the ceiling. I'm JP, as always, hosting the Indie Comics Show on your local radio station, Late Night Music and Comics. So, today we're going to be talking about the Marvel Comics Psych! We're going to be talking about Indie Comics today. (laughs) So, we uh, picked up this really interesting new comic from Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, published by Mirage Studios, their studio out of Dover, New Hampshire. Now, this comic's only been out a little while, but it's creating a lot of buzz. It's, it was really cool. I saw the ad for it in Comics Buyer's Guide, and I had to order it over the mail right away. It looked so interesting. I know. I mean, it's just, it's really unique. I mean, th- but it's it's totally spoofing some of the popular stuff right now. I mean, there, you know, it definitely has some influences from Ronin. And very Frank Miller, Daredevil inspired. Yes, very mm-hmm. much so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I read a little, uh, a little article that Kevin Eastman was talking about. He said they did it as a joke because... He thought, what is the slowest thing <laughs> that I can think of? A turtle. And then what is one of the quickest things, you know, ninja moves? So together, it's like peanut butter and bananas or something else that doesn't mix well together. <laughs> or you wouldn't think mix well <laughs> together. But peanut butter and bananas does. is amazing. Yum, it yum, really yum. Is. Peanut butter and bacon is even better, though. Bacon makes everything better. It's like a dollar forty nine a pound for the most amazing thing in the world. It is true. That's very it's 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 reasonable, I would say. So we are getting really excited about this comic. Why don't we jump right into like we always do? We'll talk about first the story and then the art. So first the story. So what do you guys think about the story of this very first issue? Just recently came out. Dark, dark, right? You know, we read lots of comics, but I've not seen this much bloodshed in a comic since you know the old EC stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a big change. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's independent, so you can kind of get away with that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, but uh, that's the beauty of independent comics, and that's why we're trying to raise awareness for independent comics, and I think that's an underappreciated medium. Yeah, that's something that, you know, we can only have a print run of 3,000. You can get away with it. It's not like the half a million comics you need to sell for Marvel to break even. Right, right. So, I mean, first off, Ninja Turtles is the greatest thing ever. I know what I'm going to be for Halloween this year. I mean, come on. I've never seen anything like that. I rue to see the day when a Ninja Turtle costume become one of the most popular Halloween costumes. I bet that will never happen yeah, in our no, life. Probably not. No, no, no. Now, as good it's as, too as good dark to be something for kids. I mean, kids. this is really, really yeah. good, but I just don't think that it's going to get any kind of wide popularity because it's just really dark. As interesting as it is, you know, it's it's just too edgy for people. And it's, yeah. To brighten mine up, I went ahead and colored the pages because it's probably not going to be, you know, like worth anything, any thousands of dollars anytime soon. No, probably not. It reminded me a lot of Comico Primer's Grendel series that came out a couple of years ago by Matt Wagner. Mm-hmm. I, th- I, w- I wonder if they stole some, of, or not stole, but were influenced by some of Matt's work. I know they're about they're about the same age, so that could be. So, are they making more of these? Because it seems kind of final in the end, like. Well, you know, we don't really know. I mean, it's just the first issue. I mean, I, I'm hoping that there's more. That's You never know with these indie comics. You know, yeah. could, I'm guessing if they sell out of their 3,000 print run, they'll reprint it and possibly do more. But, you know, right now they're doing it between doing their pizza jobs and, and other jobs. Yeah, I mean, they had to get, what, like a loan from their uncle to get this going, I understand, something like that. So on to the story. I love how they use the famous masters of art from history. It's almost like... 
you know, alluding to that, like the Ninja Turtles are like masters of kicking ass, you know, like that's just, you know, they're like artistic with their badassery, you know, it's completely great. I don't know. I get a kick out of that. And of course, the only reason that he knows anything about Splinter, the rat. Well, you know, why don't we actually talk a little bit about the story before I just dive in? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so give us the premise, John. The premise is we're opening. We see these four Ninja Turtles squared off getting ready to battle a street gang of local toughs. The Purple Dragons. Bum, bum, bum. That's why I'm so glad we don't live in urban areas. I, I hear that happens all the time, that there's just random gangs of toughs wandering around the streets. Yeah. It's really frightening. Wow. Have you seen the Warriors yet, man? It's one of the last things I got on my Betamax before it went away. Uh, that ah. was the superior... I'm telling you, that was the technology of the future. I don't know what happened there. It's porn, bad. man. It's all about the porn. <laughs> Porn's only available on VHS. And then Betamax and it does. killed the Betamax. It's very sad. VHS is for porn. I, I wonder if one day we will not even need devices like Betamax or VHS to watch stuff. Like, we can just, like, walk over to our TV and it'll all be right there. Like beamed from a satellite or yeah. something. That'd be awesome. Oh yeah. Like think about it. We're only a few years away from some things that sci-fi books, classic sci-fi books, where we're on Mars and flying around. That day will never come. No, no, well, no. There's no way that you're gonna have TVs that you can just say, play this and it'll do it. Well, it is nineteen eighty four and we were proven that, you know, George Orwell's vision did not become it's true. true. Exactly. It's true. Yeah. Things move slower. So the story. So it opens and four Ninja Turtles on the streets fighting a bunch of tough guys from a local gang called the Purple Dragons. And there's this great monologue from one of the lead guys. Well, seemingly the leader, right? Does it looks like the leader? Yeah. It's not really clear. They don't say that outright, but he seems to be sort of in charge. And he's Leonardo. He's the guy that wields the swords appropriately enough. Right. So. He's talking about, you know, who they are and what's going on and that they're fighting these guys. And it's their first actual battle above the streets. Before then, they've just been lurking around and training. And it's got this great noirish monologue going. Yeah, I wanted to say that. On. It really reminds me of the noir films, the old bogey films. Like, it's really a lot like that. And I love that old stuff. You mean newer films? Yes. Newer. No, the older ones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the older ones, you know, the noir ones. <laughs> I kind of thought Raphael was the the leader of them because he goes out on a mission on his own. It's true, it's true. But, yeah. you know, he gets... Typically, the person that's doing all of sure the monologuing and stuff seems like the main guy. We didn't really get the Turtles' personalities fleshed out in this first issue. It's more, you know, they're just four random things. We don't really know their personalities Yeah, I mean, there's yet. just a couple little interactions between them. By and large, the story focuses on Splinter, their master yeah. story, who is a giant rat that lives in the sewer and knows kung fu. I mean, no, nin ninjutsu, right? Ninjutsu. Ninjutsu, right. Their personalities are sword, stick, nunchuck, and sai. That's their personalities. My personality <laughs> is totally sword. I'm a sai guy, because, you know, you only use it to beat or kill people with a sai. I think my personality is like rake. <laughs> <laughs> if you were a Ninja Turtle, you'd be rake. I'd be rake. You'd use the rake. Would you just like randomly throw the rakes He's out Escher. In, a dark, like... <laughs> in a dark alley? Exactly. I, I'd be a more modern artist like Escher. <laughs> oh, man. So basically what happens, right, is that these guys, they are training for years, 13-something years, under the ground in the sewer system, trained by this this like scraggly rat dude that knows all this ancient martial arts knowledge and it comes out later in the story that basically he was the pet rat of a really really high level ninjutsu master guy 
right? What was the guy's name? Uh, Master Yoshi. Yes. I, I have a, a small nit to pick on okay. this. I didn't get a chance to go down to the library to research this. I wish that, you know, like the whole world's knowledge was, I could carry it around in my pocket so I wouldn't have to wonder sometimes. What is right. this, Blade Runner? <laughs> or Neuromancer? <laughs> but how long do rats live? I don't know, but I mean, well, he, he, because, had the, he had the goo on him though, right? But this so. was before the goo. They talked about he was over in Japan and then they... The, right, right. And he seems like seems like Yoshi really grew a long time. Yeah, I mean, and, like then, got and older. then they Yoshi's wife was being assaulted by right. Shredder. It was the older brother of Shredder, yeah. and then the younger brother became Shredder. Oh, yeah. I thought we were talking about in New York. And then that was in Japan, and that required them to flee to New York. Right. And then they were in New York for 15 years while That's the true. younger That's brother true. So maybe, maybe he wouldn't live that long. So, I mean, does a, does a regular rat live 18 years or yeah, so? I don't know, man. Hmm. I'll get a chance to go to the library and, and research the, the random rat. It's a pretty rat. radical rat to be able to do that. Yeah, but, I mean, but maybe it's the comic world. Could be. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, we gotta, so, I guess if I can believe there's... Four mutated turtles and a mutated rat living in the sewers, practicing ninjutsu, fighting street gangs and ninja clans. I can believe a rat can live, can live a little longer a than little normal. Longer yeah. than normal yeah. So basically, that's the idea, right? So the rat who becomes known as Splinter is the pet of Yoshi in Japan. And Yoshi's part of the infamous Foot Clan, which is basically a bunch of ninja assassins guys. And so... I wonder if they're itchy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good Lord. They walk around with like a lot of like antifungal cream on themselves and anti-itch powder. There you go. Extra socks. Yeah. Well, they're wearing the socks on their heads, aren't they? Ah, That is true. Nicely done. Nicely done. So basically, Yoshi is competing for the affections of this woman with this guy named Oroku Nagi. Yes. Right? They seem to be like... Big competitors that are like lifelong rivals. Sure, sure, much sure, sure, sure. And so the woman basically she chooses Yoshi, and Nagi's all pissed off about this. And so he basically decides like, if I can't have her, no one can have her. And he starts to like try and beat her to death, right? And at the same time, Yoshi's coming to visit her, and so Yoshi stops him and ends up killing him. And so instead of he's like his choices are like I'm just either going to commit seppuku, which is to kill, kill yourself, yourself, right? Yeah. Yes. Or to try and escape. So he and his lady love, they disappear off into New York and try and make a new life for themselves with their pet rat. And then enter years later, the younger brother of Nagi, Oroku Saki, right? He comes along and he's like, I'm going to avenge my brother. I hate this Yoshi guy. And so he rises through the ranks in the Foot Clan to where he basically gets sent over to New York to basically take care of that chapter of the Foot Clan. And so while he's in New York, he basically is like, all right, it's time. I'm going to try and visit revenge upon him. And so he goes and he takes this guy out. And then should I really be giving away all this story? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's going to care. Okay. All right. They just want to hear it. It's not exactly like they can get this at their local comic book shop or, you know, in the shelves of their grocery store. Who has an extra quarter lying around these days? Yeah. Okay. So this costs like two bucks. I could buy five regular Marvel comics for that. Well, I mean, it's 40 pages. It's bigger than a normal comic. And, and, you know, independent comics cost more because it's worth supporting, I think. Oh, yeah. Totally. Anyway, so so I guess I'll just kind of kind of bring it to a complete thought, right? So basically, that's how Splinter gets off on his own living on the streets. In the battle between Hamato Yoshi and Oroku Saki, the house gets trashed and the cage gets broken, which right. is how Splinter gets free. Right. 
So Splinter wanders the streets for a long time and eventually basically has this chance encounter where somebody almost gets hit by this truck and the truck has to swerve out of the way. Did everyone else catch the Daredevil reference? That's there? what I was oh, thinking. Yeah. yeah, right? Oh, and... You know, I just now caught that. I just now got Foot it. The Clan, The Hand. That's rad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, this is full of, you know, everything. I mean, Eastman Frank and Laird Miller. very clearly, you know, appreciate comics. I mean, they, they have a lot Especially of experience. Especially Frank yeah. Miller. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for and, sure. and there's a lot of Kirby influence in this as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I would love to see, like, maybe if this continues, if they do, like, some type of robot thing to bring in the Kirby designs that I know they love. <laughs> Yeah, that would be awesome. Love to see that sort of sci-fi kind of angle going on. Get all the energy beams flying all over yeah, the place. Right, yeah, Imagine awesome. like if they like have a robot body with like a like an alien inside of it that controls this giant robot body. That'd be rad. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I don't know. That sounds a little too far fetched for even this universe. <laughs> yeah. I got so inspired reading this that I was playing with my guitar and I came up with some music that would be good for this. So maybe we can like you know, in the show with what I played. I would be totally cool. <laughs> yeah, deal. That sounds good. That sounds good. So basically after this truck almost hits this guy and it swerves out of the way, then you've got this ooze that falls out of the truck. It's a little canister. And for some random reason, there's just some guy carrying a jar of a bunch of turtles, like just hanging out, just standing on the street, be like, I got my jar of four turtles. Yeah, buddy. Who's at the pet store? I mean, yeah. yeah. Kid goes to the pet store, buys four baby buys turtles. Buys four turtles. I think, gonna, pill, I think he was going to. I think he was going to make. I think he was going to make turtle soup. I think that these turtles that 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 this saved their lives. They were destined for death. That's so grody, dude. <laughs> so well, I mean, you, you do you, do you go buy? Oh, okay. So what you're saying is, if you're going to go to the pet shop, you're going to be like, I'm going to buy four puppies. Maybe. Yeah. Whatever. Then we could go walk the dog. <laughs> anyway, so off uh, that, they all so, get they all get some of this with a spoon that was grody. Mm, with a spoon that was so grody. So totally. basically, they end up getting uh, you know getting gooped up by this all this this like weird canister that falls out of the back of this truck, and then bang, super giant, awesome freaking ninja guys. I don't think it was bang. You know, they took no, they took a while years. to grow. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. It took three pages. Bang, <laughs> more like. Bang. <laughs> Bang. I kind of thought the whole background story thing was like totally just slow. Like I really liked the rad the story about Orokusaki and yeah, I didn't, I didn't need it. I really wanted to get back to the, the giant, purple dragons, purple dragons fighting the giant turtles. But, but isn't it the mark of a good comic that we know the origin in the first issue, so we don't have to wonder. That's, I like the origin story of that, That's Saki my big problem with, with Wolverine and the X-Men. We know nothing about him. I mean, while he's, like, cool and runs around and, like, cuts people and stuff, I'll see I wish it. I knew, like, what the hell his, he is what and, his deal was, yeah. you know? Yeah, there, I this, mean... This man of mystery, I don't like that shit at all. I, I don't mind. Sorry, I just want the action, so... I mean, if they never make an origin story for Wolverine, I'm I'm fine for it. I just liked how bad the turtles were. Because they have weapons and they're probably bad. Yeah. Yeah, if I saw giant turtles walking down the street with swords and sighs... And I would be terrified. Yeah, Almost as terrified as if Jason from Friday the 13th was coming to get me. Yeah, with the big, big, big old machete. Isn't that Ghostbusters movie supposed to be scary? Yeah, yeah. I want to try to get one of those sweet, sweet Cadillac hearses before they, you know, the <laughs> ambulances before, you know, because their new ambulances are coming out. Mm. And I know those are going to be hard to find. Oh, yeah. I really always wanted one of those. 
Oh, I'm going for the A-Team van. Totally the A-Team van. Yeah, no, that's pretty awesome. I have to agree with Brian there for that one. Uh, I pity the fool who wants an A-Team van. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we basically got the, <laughs> the premise right, so Sorry, why don't we not talk... not to mean to step on you, JP, but um, the A-Team, how come they can't hit anything if they're all these grizzled, like, military veterans? You know, they shoot off all these rounds and nobody ever gets shot. It's be... kind of true. Everybody does live. They need you to wouldn't make... have much of a show if everybody just died, though. I mean... They need to make it like super dark. You know, that's like... kind of how I feel about the comic. Actually, <laughs> we're not gonna have much of a comic because can we say spoilers? Yeah, yeah, or whatever, whatever. I don't know, or whatever I don't know what that spoiler word you thing means. But you know, it's a term that I coined just now <laughs> for when you're going to spoil the ending of something. Oh, okay. Spoilers. It's probably gonna be famous and credited to me, but. Uh... <laughs> So the term spoilers. The term spoilers I'm going to use. that By the end of the book, after they finished with the flashback and the turtles take action against the brother of the man who killed... The Shredder. Who was killed by Yoshi. Known Splinter as Shredder. has been training the turtles for 13 years just for this to yeah, kill Shredder. To take out Shredder. The whole book is a revenge story. Yeah, really. I mean, yeah. it's a classic like kung fu movie, really. It, it's, it's very noir Ish. Yes, totally. <laughs> so the reason why I asked in the beginning if they were going to make an issue two is because by the end, they spoilers, nothing, they got nothing left to do. They got nothing left to do. The the villains well, they had to defeat fight, it. They had the street hoodlums to fight in the first place, right? I mean, I suppose that's just yeah. the purple. I feel like there's the foot clan from Japan yeah. still. Are they going to do a freak of the week sort of thing? It, it worked know. for the first first several issues of Spider Man. That's true. Mm. I mean, Dick Coth came up with the thing that him and Stanley wanted to create a new villain for every issue. Mm. That's I mean, true. I guess Spider-Man got his revenge first issue, too. No, no it'd be cool if Ronald Reagan finds out about, about these turtles and we send them over to Russia to kill the commies. <laughs> <laughs> He's already got his uh, Star Wars satellites up. Yeah, that is that sounds so cool. That That is yeah. such a good way to invest money. Did you hear that the Soviets are pulling out of the Olympics this year? Yeah. We would have kicked their butts anyway. Yes, but it would be nice to kick their butts on American soil. Show well, those commie bastards who's boss. Well, the U.S. team didn't go to Russia, you know, and they built, all these, they built all these extra apartments and all that for all the Western people to come over and no one went there. <laughs> that is true. The cool thing about that was at least the technology was still over there. So when they had the Us Festival... They were able to link up between Russia and the United States. You know, who thought that, that rock and roll could bridge, you know, the United States to Soviet Russia well, and, and show they, that maybe we don't have that many differences? They do say music calms the savage beast. Mm. I felt like this had lots of really good dialogue. It, you know, it was almost leaning a little towards the sort of cheesy zone, like they were taking themselves a little too seriously, but I felt like it really worked well. You know, I, I just thought that the dialogue, especially some of the, like, the after the fights, like, yeah, you know, like, those those worked well. You got to remember, you know, like, in Marvel and DC, not all comics are Frank Miller great stories. Yeah. There's quite a bit of cheesy dialogue, like, in Team America and, you know, anything that Bill Mantlo writes, like, Micronauts and ROM. Mm -hmm. You know, it's... it's anything you, that Hey, I happen to wrong. love ROM. ROM's great. I mean, the toy, you know, was, wasn't that great. But, but, the, but the comic has is better than it has any right to be. DeFalco writing it? No, Tom. Tom's still writing Archie stories right now. But you know, I, I hear he's going to Marvel. But God, I hope not. Right. I hope Jim Shooter is able to you know convince him to not come over. Well, do we have any final thoughts about the story? Or 
I, I kind of love how there's a bit of a parallel. The brothers really are kind of similar. They're like, if I can't have this, no one can. So when they're fighting and the turtles who are like, we're not going to kill you. You have to kill yourself. Yeah, I was wanted to say that that is really awesome. Like, yeah. The turtles are honorable to the end. This guy that had done so many terrible things and is the entire, I mean, created this giant criminal you know, empire. Just, oh, I mean, just so such a horrible, horrible dude and did such terrible things to their master and, you know, their master's owner, I guess. I don't even know what you say there, but he's like a bad dude, right? But they still are like, okay, we've defeated you, but now we're not going to kill you. We're going to give you the chance to do the right thing. And, and part of that goes back get to... Get your honor back. Like, that's awesome. So that goes back to Yoshi killing the brother of Shredder. Right. Since... You know, Splinter learned all the things that Yoshi knew, and so the Turtles are trained with the same style as the Foot Clan. They might see themselves as, we can't kill one of our fellow members of... After uh, they murdered a bunch ninja. of Foot Clan guys? Eh, uh, I don't think so. Good point. Well, okay, maybe they're just being... You're right. Maybe they're being the honorable way. I just think it's it's a, it's a slick way to, to end it, because really... Yoshi was wrong for killing him. He should have mm -hmm. stopped him in a way that didn't kill his brother in the Foot Clan. And he didn't do the honorable thing and commit seppuku and kill himself. That's, you know, as far as Japanese culture is concerned, that's the right way to, the right thing to do in that situation. He ran, so it basically just created this big cycle of blood. And I thought that it was really cool that Eastman and Laird brought it back to that one point to let it, there be an opportunity to finish it the way it should have finished long ago. And yeah. then he's such a bad guy that he just won't have it. And he just mm -hmm. keeps trying. Yeah. You know? He's like, if I have to die, I'm taking you all with me. And Saul like, say hello to my little friend. Kind like, of I a have thing. a thermite bomb. Bang. And then, of course, Shredder got shredded. That's what I'm talking about. Those lines. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I like the one where he says, like, oh, we're going to have a duel and there will be deaths theirs <laughs> that's just a tone that I read it in it's like that burn is worse than the one on Meh. Michael Jackson's face in the Pepsi commercial <laughs> wow oh. too soon too soon too soon <laughs> poor guy so let's go ahead and jump into the art let me just say this right out loud I love the art on this it's what, really great what I was really impressed with um, reading an article about them is they both write draw in ink so it's not a delamated thing like in a marvel comics like chris claremont writes john Byrne draws terry austin inks it is we do it all together right. we're penciling each other's stuff we're going over you can't tell it. you know there's, where there's one no, begins and the other ends yeah, yeah there's no delamation between yeah. it yeah. that's some um, serious teamwork the last yeah. time i saw that was when joe simon and jack kirby were working together on early captain america stuff in the 40s so it's been a while yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool to see it go back to that, you know, we're putting out this product together. There is, it's very much center, you know, synergistic. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah, 40 years yeah. later, comics are coming back around. The art style is all the same between the pages. I would have never known if you didn't tell me that this was both written and drawn by the same like team. Where two they're, different by, people. By two different people yeah, where the drawings are done. It's, it's really, it's it really, really fits together. It works well. Part of the drawing that I like so much is that it just has these really super satisfying thick inky blacks it's not all these little fine scratches although there's lots of detail lots yeah, and lots of lots detail. I mean, of detail crazy amounts of detail it's like garbage and dirt and rocks and pebbles and it's like it very their world feels messy and dirty like an inner city you know like that's what it's like there's just paper and gravel and stuff and it's just it has that dark gritty feel to it and know? i love the toning on there knowing how much work it is to actually yeah. go get a piece of toned 
paper, cut it out with X-Acto right. knife to make it fit and all that. I mean, it's the, what they've done on there was, was really good. That's really I impressive. hope nobody comes around someday and colors it where we lose all that detail. Yeah, it would be really sad. Like Marcus here. Like I did? Yeah. <laughs> So they have some really amazing um, full page artwork. Yeah, the splash pages are crazy, oh, including the two page, the double page uh, spread double page when spread they first clash with the the Foot Clan. I need that on my wall. Like I need yeah. to contact these guys and get them to like I don't know blow it do, up. Do like a poster of it because It'd be I mean, so sick. I have a feeling that that can become an iconic image oh, if this if this ever gets popular. Totally, yeah. totally, it's way awesome. Well, I mean, even like the cover to me looks like it's it's pretty icon- iconic. Oh, That's, absolutely. It totally needs to be a poster. The only thing I would say about that is there's there's one splash page in particular where if I were to make a comic book, I would say I would have left it to the next page because when I'm looking at a two-page spread and I want something to jump out at you as being like a, wow, that's an amazing piece, I like to save it for when they turn the page so they can start the yeah. next page on, yeah. like a, on, a, a, good on point. a big note. The thing that really impressed me was after the initial battle with the Purple Dragons, and it's a transition page. It shows them going into the sewer. Sure. And the next page is a splash page of like the cityscape. The cityscape, empty yeah, street. Awesome. Yeah, that yeah. was. You know, I was blown away yeah, by how really good that that yeah. looked. Definitely. No, that's the one Marcus. But that's about. the one that's that Martin. Yeah. I would have left to have so on the next, next page. page so that they could have flipped the page and been like, "Wow, what a beautiful piece of art." It's surprisingly clean considering how much information is on the page. You know, everything is shaded, but it's it's all gray and gray tone sort of stuff, right? It's really busy, lots of detail, but it doesn't ever really end up being a muddy mess. And I was almost concerned about that when I first saw this art style. I thought, "Wow, this could get difficult to read." But I think that Thanks to a lot of things, one of which is their very strong layout does a really good job of keeping it clean, even though it's really busy. Because, I mean, it is busy. Don't get me wrong. It's busy. But it doesn't ever feel like it's just a mess and it's hard to understand what's happening. Later in the comic, there's a a page where they're in the middle of a big battle with the Foot Clan. And they opted to just on the last panel not have a frame at all. And it's just Leonardo falling down with his swords put up in the air. Yeah. And the negative space in this comic is so good. It's just beautiful. It's it's a really well done page. And then the humans are so scruffy. They're just, whoa, man. It looks like they just like rolled around in the gutter first. Especially the guys that are just supposed to be these like punky street gang guys. Like they look rough and gruff you could take one look at them and the character design they they look like they're going to be trying to you know take your wallet you know there's there's no bones about it they they really fit the bill towards the end they're in there battling the foot clan on the on the rooftop there's a great two-page spread with all four turtles against like about 10 foot clan yeah yeah that was just amazing pretty amazing there are some silhouettes in there that are uh, that are done really well but there's Mm. other silhouettes that i'm not positive where the light source is coming from yeah yeah, that would be uh, one of my only other comments on the artwork is that, especially with the silhouettes, like a lot on the shredder, particularly mm-hmm. where he, it's just like they're coming from all directions. Shadows kind of just curl around him just so that he can be silhouetted. Yeah, exactly. One of the things that I thought was really impressive right in the very beginning is that long monologue from Leonardo, that noir look, sort of style monologue. It's wordy. There's a lot of text there, but... They did a really good job with the layout, and they did something interesting, where basically they had a bunch of long horizontal panels that went across the entire page, and they would have a panel that would have actual images and some dialogue, but actual, like, words, talk, people talking instead of, like, internal monologue. And then beneath that, they would do a box where it was just text, and it was his internal monologue, and it kept it clean. 
If it was all pictures with those giant boxes of huge amounts of monologue on top of it, I think it would have felt like it was too wordy and messy. But somehow giving the words their own space like that worked well. Yeah, if they had done the other way, it would look like a Chris Claremont X-Men comic. Yeah, it would have been really just busy. It's like busy in a bad way. He can put so many words on one page. <laughs> he really can. I was even impressed on like the letter that the Shutter received. That like the, the, the amount of text they were able to put on that letter, on the message mm -hmm. from Raphael. That it all fit in there and was, you know, legible and you could read it and yeah. I didn't have to squint or anything. That was cool. You were kind of expecting them to just have a squiggly mark or yeah, something. Yeah, definitely. Know? Well, you wear glasses, so you have to squint when you read. I'm such a four eyes. So, any final Nerd. thoughts about the first issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from Eastman and Laird? It Popples. was it was a fun read. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if this becomes popular or not. I hope it does, but I it would be really bad like if it became so popular that it brought on a bunch of like knockoff stuff like yeah. next we'll be like hearing about adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters or uh stuff like just a that. bunch of knockoffs like yeah. that yeah that would be too bad yeah it's really Fighting creative it's neat frogs or toads or something yeah yeah fish police something mm -hmm. you know wacky like that yeah i think it's good just let it be let it be it's our own original thing my thing though is where do they go from here their whole purpose, or at least Splinter's whole purpose in life, is to avenge his... Oh, believe owner. me, I'm sure they have plans. I don't know where they would go from here, but you don't create a comic like this without having ideas bouncing around your head, right, Marcus? I mean, there's always thoughts, ideas... Turtles in Russia. There you Turtles go. Turtles in Russia. Oh. Oh, so they're bad then. All right, so that feel complete, you guys? <laughs> yeah, let me... Um, I'll pull out my guitar and, and start playing. Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamanga.com. If you were wondering what was happening, <laughs> <laughs> that was our blast from the past Turtles Time Warp episode that we've been sort of bouncing around playing with the idea of doing for a long time. And uh, really what we wanted to do, it all started when John Harder was talking to us and said, hey, if you guys were around back when Turtles came out in 84, you would totally have reviewed it and talked about it on your show. And so we thought, hey, we should do an episode as if we were like a radio show back in the 80s yeah. talking about indie comics. And so we decided to spring it on you. Yeah, since <laughs> so May, if you made it this far years. in the episode, congratulations. <laughs> Surprise, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> made it through all the 80s-tastic references. Oh, man. See, and... the thing is, is that so not only did we want to try and pretend as if we were in the 80s and we were reading it for the first time, because that was really the thing, is that we wanted to go back and instead of look at it through the lens of all this reverence that it has gained over the years and not just go, it's amazing, it's perfection, it's blah, 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 you know, but like actually look at it sort of down our nose like you do with a lot of new stuff, is that you're not, it doesn't, it doesn't have an emotional bank account with you yet. So many people have such a great love for Turtles that even if they picked up this first issue and they had some things where if they'd never seen it before, they would have been like, ah, I wish this would have been different or, oh, it was okay. They're just going to go, it's the turtles. I love it because I love the turtles. Yeah. And so we were thinking it'd be interesting to go through and try and see it from the perspective of the first time we ever saw it before it was popular, before we had previous experience with it. 
before, before our Calabunga. views on the Ninja Turtles were skewed by the TV show and the movie. Absolutely. Because the comic is a complete different animal. Especially this oh, first yeah. first bit is yeah. way different. Yeah. Before the Cowabunga. Before Yeah, I mean it's yeah. like like we like you were saying, it's a dark revenge story. You know, it could have been a kung fu movie that you watched mm. on, you know, in the eighties. Oh know? yeah. It was Yeah, I remember I don't know when it was, but it was at some point while the Ninja Turtles show was going on, my brother bought a Ninja Turtles comic, and I was like, wow, this is really different, because I was not used to seeing a comic in black and white at yep, that point. Yep, mm -hmm. You know, I was like eight, nine years old at the time, and the one thing that I do remember is that Raphael at that point was using Tomfas, or police nightsticks, basically. In the comics? In the comics, yeah. It was really strange. But... That's too bad, because the Psy are easily my favorite, like, in real life, actual weapons. Like, they're amazing. I was surprised at how violent it was, just because I grew up with the cartoon. Right, yeah, know, most of us, be, because, like, fun fact, several Calabunga. of the people sitting in this room were born in 84. <laughs> and so, it like, we actually had... One, two, three, not it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we but, had... Nothing. But, I mean, even you, Brian, you were four yeah. in 84. I mean, I was turning 11. So, I mean, almost questionable whether you would have been reading something I wouldn't, this, right? I wouldn't have. Yeah. I mean, I was reading Marvel comics at the time. Yeah. And I really didn't become aware of the Turtles probably till like 86. Mm -hmm. And then that's when, was when the television show. No, it's no, 87. No, it 87 but like 86, first comics compiled like the first four in like one of the sure. early trades and yeah. colored it. And it wasn't until later than when, I mean, because by that time, the, the prices on the number one comic, they were like, 30 bucks at the time, which $30 in 1986 was the equivalent of probably like $120 now or $100 yeah. now or something. So, so it was really hard to get. So then it was when hard they came for out a 12-year-old to come up with $30. So when they came <laughs> out with the trades, you were like, yes, I can read it. Yeah, now. and it was $6.95, you know, which was still, still a lot, right? 86, Marvel Comics were $0.60, cents, so it was equivalent of 10 you know, regular comics or yeah, this. Expensive. But it was an oversized graphic size, you know, uh, it was like a... Probably did, like nine. By did 12. you still have that copy somewhere? I I don't have that copy, but I do have a copy another the, one that I oversized one. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Years, That'd be yeah. cool. So that was the idea: is to really look at it with fresh eyes or endeavor to, and then then we got the idea of just of really playing it up. And so we've all been like researching all this '80s pop culture. It was a little harder for some of us than others. Yeah, I apparently yeah. think the Marx Brothers has something to do with the. <laughs> Marcus, Marcus came like, in here. He's like, "Yeah, see, yeah, hey, that's how they talked in the yeah. age, right?" <laughs> oh man, I was tempted to do this voice the entire time. <laughs> oh my god, Dude. that'd be so rad. The Spicoli voice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was gonna wear my parachute pants and uh, you know my bandana, and that would have been yeah. amazing if I had a pair of the stunner shades. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Oh. Yeah. it's neat to look back at the turtles like this because. You know, we read a lot of indie comics around here, and we have a pretty good grip on what it's like to read indie comics. And this this really is, in many ways, a cut above. It really and truly is. And I would say less so much in the actual drawings, because they're kind of a little all over the place at times. Sometimes their necks are too long. Sometimes there's foreshortening problems. You know, it's like, by and large, it works really well and is a sort of move fast-moving, dynamic, action-packed kind of comic. But it's in, in no way as developed as it would later become. But there's just brilliance there, especially in the layout. Like the lay, I, I found myself being like, holy shit, this is really well laid out. Like the, where the text goes, how they fit four freaking guys in so many frames. Like trying to fit four plus characters in a frame, that's a son of a bitch. It is. I mean, yeah. like you want, like really, you want like two. 
It's easy. It's clean. One, two, three, maybe, but but four, five, or 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 just those big crazy fights where there's all this stuff going on, or all you know. It's just it's amazing how much information they're able to fit on there and have it not be just a congested mess. And beyond that, to be able to tell those stories, like what I was saying in the crazy eighty four episode about how they laid out those first few pages that noir monologue from Leo is really brilliant. It's really, truly brilliant because it's super hard to get those words out and have it not feel like they're encroaching upon the art. And I never would have thought like, hey, let's just give the words their own freaking panel and just surround it by white and be like, you know, whatever. But it, it actually works really well. It's just a really impressive little bits here and there. And so you can really see that there's there's like the beginnings of the sparks of real, real and actual brilliance here. I know that they were influenced by the EC comics mm. and Al Feldstein he would lay out the comics for the artists with all the words, the captions already there. Really? And then hand them to them saying, here, fill in the pictures. Wow. So I think that might have been one of the styles they used there for their page layouts. I mean, just that, like, really more than anything, the page layouts are, are just amazing. Really, really amazing. I can admit to the page layouts being really, really good. Uh, I would have, had I picked this up as a new comic, and if I had the mentality that I have now, I would have not liked it. I would have been like, yeah, this the art's a little rough for me. And the story felt like it kind of encompassed the entire thing in one issue. And But comics were a lot, of, a lot different back then. It was, you're almost expected to have a whole story in one comic. Yeah. You know, Marvel, they said the most that they would allow a story to go is two issues. You know, unless it was like an ongoing miniseries like Secret Wars, which ran 12. Or, right. I was alive for about 12 days in uh, <laughs> in 1984, and um, I can guarantee I wouldn't have appreciated it then. Um, no. No, I mean, that's the thing that's so interesting about this is that, like I said before, it, the Turtles has such a huge emotional bank account with so many of us that it's hard to look at it with virgin eyes for real and really yeah. see it for what it is and be willing to criticize it. Like, I think most people, what was it the other day? I was hanging out behind the, the counter with you, John. It was after we recorded the podcast. And somebody came in, and we were talking about Kevin Eastman coming to the the upcoming SACCON, yeah, right? Yeah. Actually, segue real quick. Those of you guys that are in the Northern California area, Kevin Eastman will be at SACCON, which is at the Scottish Rite Center in Sacramento, California. And it's like, what, under $10 to get in. Yeah, I want to say pre-reg is like six bucks. No, you buy tickets at the door, yeah, yeah. for six. If you yeah. get there at nine, it's ten to get in there an hour early to get a good yeah, It's spot like online. nothing. At the time of this release, it'll be this weekend. Yeah, so, I mean, go go this weekend and check it out. I mean, you're not going to find a more inexpensive convention, and Kevin Eastman is an absolute comic icon, and it's it, way worth going and checking out. I don't know what it is that he's doing. Is he Is he doing a talk, or is he just signing? Or? Signing and sketching and... And all that. I mean, he's really one of the people that I admire oh, yeah. the most in this industry. I mean, not only from doing Turtles, but then taking that money and investing in and doing his publishing company, Tundra, which then hired people like Alan Moore and Steve Bizet, who was Alan's partner on Swamp Thing, and other guys to say, do whatever you want. You don't have to do superheroes, do whatever you want. And that mm -hmm. kind of launched, while he lost $12 million doing it. <laughs> It it really changed the industry now, sure. and that's... Yeah, it gave us what we have now. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what Image Comics has now become, where creators can go, I don't want to work for Marvel anymore. Marvel DC, the big two, 
I can go now and do my own thing, sure. and it doesn't have to be superheroes. It yeah, it's really part of pioneering the creator own comics and the like the the beyond it being just small press. And then after that, he bought heavy metal. You know, he's owned heavy metal for like the last twenty years. Really? And yeah, hmm. and been bringing foreign artists over to have you know somewhere for them to be published through heavy metal because I don't think heavy metal would have survived if he hadn't bought them out in. 95. So, I mean, he's a special guy, and you guys should definitely go check it out if you're in the area. But to finish my story, we're hanging out in the front of the store and talking about what's going on at SatCon, how we're excited to meet Kevin Eastman. And this this guy who's standing up front, his face goes blank, and he's like, he doesn't know who Kevin Eastman is. And it's like, okay, some people aren't familiar with with, with names. You know, that's a bit of a big name, but, yeah. you know, whatever. And then we're like co-creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he looked at us straight in the face and he's like, I don't give a shit about the Ninja Turtles. And, and, and then like he looked around like, no, seriously, there were like three people shopping in the store. And then I was standing behind the desk with John and that guy was up front. And then I think, was it Brian yeah. was yes. standing like next to us? And the whole store went silent and looked at him. And I replied... <laughs> Stone him. Well, that makes one person in the store. Yeah. <laughs> I almost expected John to be like, get out. <laughs> but I mean, this kid was like 19 years old. Sure, so sure, sure, sure. The only turtles he knows are the modern ones. Is the modern, is the TV, you know, because he never read the comics. Right. So and, I mean, the, and he should go read the comics. Probably never even and, saw the original. Yeah, he probably didn't even or, see the 80s and 90s turtles. He was probably too young for that yeah. even. Well, the, and let's be fair. The 80s and 90s Turtles is a special kind of magic. It's way divergent from the original comics, but mm. it's great. Yeah. You should go back and listen to episode 55. We watched the and the reviewed turtles. the movie yes, Turtles, turtles forever. forever. This is, and that's where we got the idea to do this. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. We've been thinking about it for a while now. Yeah, yeah. And that one, if you don't know, has like the Turtles from the 87 series. It's a Turtles multiverse movie where basically all the Turtles from several different the universes all get together. And what they do is they basically pull the turtles from all the different iterations from the eighties television show, from the original Eastman and Laird comics, you know, from the more modern stuff. Like it was just, it was great. And they all meet each other and up having to try and fight together. And it was yeah. so cool. And, and then of course they end up at turtles prime, which is the prime universe, which is the Eastman and Laird original comics. And they are like OG badass motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and they come in and handle shit. Everybody I, else is like derping around and be like, I want some pizza. And these guys are like, whoop, whoop, whoop. we strike hard, strike fast and fade into the night. I love the fact that one, they have that line at the very, very end. But Oh, and then the, like, which, the last scene with them is the original like cover, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Best. It's a great movie. I need to go see that. And the last, oh, the last dialogue is the last internal monologue that they have at the end of the first issue. Yeah. But it is really funny because you have the '80s turtles kind of getting their asses whooped by the like turtles getting their prime. asses whooped. And no, and the best part is, is that Michelangelo, who's a complete ham nowadays anyway, was really bad in the '80s. Except they're all like now. So it's funny you watch them, and Michelangelo character from now is the only one out of the entire group of turtles that can get along with the '80s turtles because they're all like him. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he thinks they're hilarious. He thinks they're great, and everybody else is like, "Oh my god." got more of them now my, my favorite part in that is the the 2003 donatello and the 87 donatello where the 87 donatello is <laughs> like 
I got a stick and a flashlight and something else, and now it's a laser. And he's yeah. like, how that can that work? <laughs> There's no scientific way that that can work. <laughs> Science isn't exact. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, have you, have you seen that one before, Marcus? I've never seen that's that on, one. That's going no. on the movie list. That's a great yeah. one. My, I mean, I remember that's on 80s. YouTube. You can watch it on YouTube. I remember yeah. the '80s cartoon when I was little, and then with my four-year-old, now five-year-old, we've been watching the uh, Buyakasha version. I know you love that phrase. That's so bad. It's not even a thing. Uh. But I love the fact that like when they went to Turtles Prime, you have the internal monologue, which is a big thing. Yeah. That movie was really this. respectful of yeah. the original comics. Mm-hmm. It actually and truly was. It wasn't just like, oh, these are old fogies. I mean, it was respectful. Is a little plug for our sister podcast. The same month when DC relaunched the new 52, IDW and Nickelodeon relaunched the Turtles. And I have to say that the Turtles has been way better than the new 52. And um, I recently shared all the issues with our four talking about three. Oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Our four. No, not the, not the 2003 cartoon remake, but okay. the, but 2012 the comics. comic. Well, remake. and Eastman's been pretty heavily involved, right? He's been the co-plotter and he's done Doing a couple layout yeah, and yeah. layouts and he's done. He did an annual where it was all him himself, oh, so which was, is awesome. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was like the first time he did. A full issue of Turtles in like 25 years. That was completely great. And uh, we're planning on, for 4Js, that being our first like extended series that we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to expend several episodes going through the same series. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be awesome. So a little something for you guys to keep your ears out, ears and eyes out for down the road. So um, I think we're about out of time. So thank you guys for listening. That was was very fun. Fun, crazy podcast. Totally um, tubular, dude. Totally. I have a little monologue before we close. Let's hear it. I was, I was thinking after reading this and what a phenomenon the Turtles became. Wow. And, you know, just started out as an indie comic. I think it's going to be an indie comic now that's going to break through to become the next hit. Because, you know, the superhero genre is pretty much locked up, you know, with Marvel and DC, with Warner Brothers, Disney, Sony. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's going to be a superhero made superhero movie made. That's not out of the big two universe from now on. So I think it's going to be books like Mallow man or their like, where it's a fresh idea that's going to come out to spark that just like, you know, Ninja turtles was an idea so far out of left field, you know, that that's what it became. Well, that's the beauty and the exciting part about indie comics is that, you get to meet people in the beginning, and a lot of people hang out in that air in that sort of area of you know doing it for fun, putting out really good and entertaining comics, and don't ever explode. But some people might explode, and it, it's sort of fun to be like, I knew that guy, I saw him at his table forever ago. Like that's kind of fun. And beyond that, it's just it's incredible to be in the presence of such unbridled creativity. Well, I mean, I tell my Walking Dead story. Yeah. You know, Walking Dead came out like. The second week I was open, Walking Dead number one. Ordered 10 copies, sold two in three months. <laughs> Ripped the covers off the other seven and sent them back because they had, you know, a return program that sure. they didn't sell. You know, and now a Walking Dead number is a, one is, is like... It. It's the thing. It's like a $1,200 comic. Yeah. You know, so... You're like, I ripped the covers <laughs> I was just curious. I was looking up TMNT number one, yeah. and they were anywhere from five to 7,000 right now. <sighs> That's awesome. Even I was reading even the comics buyers guy that had an ad that the first day basically turtles ad like order our comic 
that's going for a lot of money because it was a it was a newspaper and what do you do with a newspaper when you're done reading it throw it away so it's rare yeah yeah Yeah, good stuff turtles is really a special thing it is i enjoyed looking at it through the geek life lens and trying trying to treat it like something i'd never seen before Mm -hmm. it was enlightening and interesting and it makes me appreciate and have a huge amount of sort of excitement and hope for some of the comics that we talk about because i had the same kind of like Ah, this is pretty rough around the edges, but I'm really enjoying this. And there's some real brilliance here. Yeah, that's we the same thing have we've said about, about a, a lot I've, of I've said that about a handful of comics. And it's kind of neat to see where Turtles started and where it ended up. And to see that, that Turtles isn't really so far different from a lot of the things we talk about. You think today it'd be, it would have been published first on, uh, on the web? Probably. Oh, hands down. Hands down. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you, you don't see a 3,000 print run <laughs> indie comic anymore. You don't see a 3000 print run for a lot of big two comics anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the time in 84, you know, if if a comic wasn't selling 200,000 copies, it was canceled. It was a flop. Yeah. Now, if it sells 200,000 copies, it's the number one comic for the month. Yeah. It's crazy. I really recommend that if you've never read the Eastman and Laird original turtles, you really ought to. In fact, there's this great place called Waterfront Comics on 609 Main Street in Sassoon, California, that has... Um, the address even. Yeah. I'm going all out on this shameless plug, baby. <laughs> now you can Google Maps, actually. Yeah. Google hours are. You can go to waterfrontcomics.com. And you can go to waterfrontcomics.com and get directions. And, uh, and hear, hear other podcasts. So you can go to waterfrontcomics.com and check out the 4Js podcast also. <laughs> and you can go to the store... Meet John in person. Ask for his autograph. I'm sure he'll love that. There are autographed John Howder comics out there. No shit. Yes. And occasionally when people come in to sell me comics back, they do appear. That's awesome. Yeah. But he does have the original trades, both the colored and the black and whites. I recommend the black and whites personally, but that's just my own opinion. Yeah, I think the black and whites is probably... You're going to want to read those. It's neat to see the colored ones, and the colored ones, you know, you may come to like them more, but it's. I think it's important to be able to see it the way it was originally done. And it's like we were saying in the 80s flashback, how, you know, how impressive it is that the, the black and whites look as good as they do with yeah. as much information and toning and screen, I mean, and yeah. just all the... I read both last just, night, and after reading the black and white one, I said the color one, I think it actually loses something. Yeah, it does. It Yeah, one. it does. It takes away from that. It's almost like seeing an old black and white movie gone over and they add all the color and it just looks funky somehow. It's not bad. It's sort of bright and fun, but it, it that's the word. It brightens it up. And the tur- early Turtles is dark and should yeah. remain so. So anyway, well, I think we're all sort of itching to say Cowabunga. So, uh, Cowabunga? Cowabunga! Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor can go to our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there. Music is provided by AirPlus Recordings. Links to the artists and songs featured in this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamega.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is the Brian. And the John. And the Joe. 
and Marcus the Turdies. And JP. And we'll see you guys next time. Cowabunga! Cowabunga! Turtle power! Oh, God, I forgot about that one. I'm going to go back to dancing on the ceiling. We strike fast. We strike hard. And fade into the night. It's the, it's a turdy's tur, turdy's. It's a turtle. It's a turtle's multiverse. JP yes. said turdy's. <laughs> we only allow people with with the the most best letter in the world in their the first name. That but derp derp derp. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I would really just like to say turdy's somewhere. <laughs> Can we just interject that as many times as possible? Like, let's do, let's do a remix of this where we just, every once in a while, just turdies. 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 I like 1984 bacon. <laughs>